Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini-episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple-shot K-Cup with my guest, Olden Zeka. You did actually have a big success as an entrepreneur, in fact, as a social entrepreneur, how long after that first business went under did you found Sproxel? And how do you think you took the learning from that first experience to help Sproxel become profitable and grow to operate in seven countries? So it was, I think, about 20 years after founding the first business that I co-founded Sproxel. And so there was, of course, other experiences in between the two, growth and learning on my part therein. So it was a combination of that couple of decades uh, that I was able to bring to Sproxel. And my co-founder at Sproxel was the technical genius. He's still there. The business is still running. I'm no longer there day to day. I do sit on the board still and contribute in other ways. But he was the technical genius and I was bringing the business experience. So that was what my rule. And I think those early days in entrepreneurship really proved to be extremely helpful in finding solutions that were very low cost or no cost on how to do things, really thinking how to find answers to business problems. How do we find you know employees that we would pay them a fair wage, but we didn't want to spend a lot in recruiting them or finding them. So what are some of these more alternative approaches that an entrepreneur honestly needs to know, not just can use, but needs to know that will reduce costs for the business and make it so that we could bootstrap to get started and to get going. And that was very helpful for me to be able to leverage that and use that. We should also let our listeners know that you spent nine years at Sproxel. So this was by no means a flash in the pan. Oh, absolutely not. You know, and the one thing I've learned is that I think all entrepreneurs, whether they be social entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general, have this view that everything will be rosy, that everything will go well. And, and by the way, I think that's a requirement to be an entrepreneur or at least a successful entrepreneur. Because if you don't have that optimistic view 
I think that you will lose faith along the way. You'll get discouraged when problems happen and you won't be able to push through them. So I'm definitely not knocking the optimistic view at all. I think it's very much a positive and a requirement. However, I also think that most entrepreneurs believe that they will be huge successes or their business will be a huge success in an incredibly short period of time. And that's usually not the case. Most successful businesses take years to develop and they take many years to get to a position of profitability, if ever. And unfortunately, along the way, actually, most startups never survive. So it's really that those almost storied few, so to speak, that get to be successful. Yet those are the ones we often hear about. One of the things I like to share with entrepreneurs often is a little bit more realistic view of what happens at a startup, how the process goes and the timeline, not to scare them, but so that they understand the choices they are making and so that if they continue, they are better informed. But it's also sometimes a filter because those entrepreneurs that decide to drop out probably would not have been successful anyway because as they met challenges later on, they would not have been able to push through. So it's probably better not start the enterprise rather than start it and maybe go bankrupt in three, four, five years. Well, speaking of challenges, I try to ask all time for coffee guests, Alden, to share a time in their professional life when they really struggled, when they faced immense challenges and sometimes fail. And often the failure is what provides the raw material or the inspiration, the lessons learned that lead to future successes. Could you share an example, a story of a time in your professional life? It could be that first business that you bought or that you invested in when you struggled. Most importantly, though, to help us understand what the lesson you learned was and how you persevered. Sure. Unfortunately, I can probably think of many more than one example. I have had businesses that I founded and failed and so on and so forth. But I'll pick one example, which is maybe a little bit atraditional from some of your other guests. I've had a couple of really bad bosses in my career. And I'll pick one example about a bad boss and what I learned from that. So this boss was great in the interview. Right. I, I interviewed. I, I thought he was terrific. Company sounded great. I decided to move forward and take the job. But once taking the job, fairly quickly, it became evident that he was a really bad people person. He was verbally abusive to all of his subordinates. He was someone who took credit for our work when it was good and was quick to point at us as team, as staff, as failure when work was bad. Every success was his, every failure was ours, I guess is the way I put it. And every day felt like I was what I would picture, I guess, as in military boot camp. You came in, he was a clock watcher. If you were two minutes late, you got yelled at. And we were all white collar people in the business. And you know, he would berate you for small things. And it just became very uncomfortable. And so after a while, I went to him and I said, I've figured out that I could do my job, I could do a part-time. My job wasn't as demanding as both I had thought, he had thought initially. And I said, you know, I'm willing to just give me a couple days off a week. I'll take them without pay. And in essence, I knew I'd be happier because I'd be there less. But he decided, he said, no, you have to be here five days a week. You have to show up on time. You have to leave on time. But by the way, 
I don't care what you do at your desk as long as you get your job done. If you want to watch movies at your desk or, or just do other things, go ahead. And when he said that to me, it sounded wonderful. But on the other hand, after a couple of weeks of that, I realized it was completely degrading. And I just didn't want to do that. So I ended up leaving the company. No regrets. Very glad I did. And the big lesson I take away from that, a couple of lessons. One, when interviewing for a new job, I would absolutely recommend to all of your listeners that they try and talk with someone who is in the group they're going to be joining. Talk with someone at least who's in the company. They can to try and get an honest perspective of what it's like. Because sometimes in the interview process, it looks a lot rosier than reality. Second thing I took away from it was how not to treat employees, how not to treat subordinates, and to really be a much more empathetic manager, to be a manager that really cared a lot more about my employees, not just as employees, but as people. And I think that's an incredibly valuable lesson I've taken forward. I try and do that as much as I can when I'm working with other people. I'll be honest, I'm probably not perfect. In fact, I know I'm far from perfect in that regard, but I do think it helped me grow as a manager, as a leader in a very positive way. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.